All right, and good afternoon, everyone. Out in the world of internet, it's Maria Daniels here with Successfully Chaotic, and I have Tammy Snyder here with me. Um, we were a couple minutes late because we were chatting it up in the backstage <laughs> before we went live. Uh, we were talking all about the world of autism, and I know on the show you've probably heard me talk a lot about that just because that's our life, that's our world. And um, I only have one of my children out of my seven that is autistic, but you know, that becomes everybody's world. And that's what a lot of people don't realize is when you have, you know, any type of special needs, but in my case, my experience is, you know, having an autistic child that um, really affects everybody's life. And we were kind of talking a little bit about just as a mom, you know, I was telling my experience, but that now I'm homeschooling again. And I know a lot of you all already know that homeschooling again. And I jokingly say homeschooling against my will now, um, which is not meant to be <laughs> an awful thing. But I know I've had a couple of people go against your will. That makes it sound like you don't want to be around your kids. I'm like, well, honestly, sometimes I don't. Sometimes I don't want to be around my kids. So, but I think that's part of it. Just mothering in general. I mean, even my kids that are not on the spectrum, I love them, love them with all my heart, but sometimes I want to love them from afar. I want them to go somewhere else. And I think that's kind of part of parenting is you do have both sides of that, right? So Tammy, I want you to jump in though and kind of introduce yourself a little bit and talk about a little bit of what you do. And then we can just, we can have, we can continue our conversation, right? <laughs> sure, sure. Um, so uh, I guess I, we were talking about just the fact that homeschooling and I said, I don't know if I could have homeschooled. So my son is um, just turned 26 yesterday, which is crazy to believe that I'm the parent of somebody that old. Um, but when he was little, there was the point in time where I sent him to school because I don't know is where it would have, it was not conducive for our relationship. I couldn't be the parent and the teacher. It just wouldn't have worked in our life. And so my hope, and what I'm trying to do here is to help parents understand that there, there is a lot of chaos that goes into um, learning what it is to communicate with our child when they're on the spectrum. Every just like every other kid, they're all different, but there's certain there is kind of a pattern to autism, and what we need to do is recognize that pattern and then develop those skills for communicating with them in an effective way. And what I try to do is help the parents recognize that you really do know how it's working. I'm just here to help facilitate those thoughts. And then let's put those thoughts on paper and give a detailed explanation of what those communication tools are for the teachers who are in our children's lives. Because they need to know how it's gonna, how to best do that so that there's less chaos in the classroom. And then that helps us in return because if there's less chaos in the classroom, then there's less meltdowns at home later that evening because they've had a stressful day. Absolutely, I, I like the way that you explain that because the way that I usually explain autism to somebody, and I have no formal education on autism. I just have boots on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You know, you stuff. <laughs> I know I have people go, well, did you have to I did not. I did not. But um, Kate is my fifth child. And typically by the time you have that many kids, you're like, Shh, I got this. I know how to do this parenting thing, right? And I didn't. It was like a whole nother, a whole nother world that I figured out how much I actually did not know. And, you know, the way, the best way that I was 
kind of, I guess, taught how to communicate with him early on because he was not really verbal at the very beginning. He would say like a word maybe or two at the very beginning, but that was about it. And was just the fact that I had somebody say to me and it made the most sense out of everything. And I've, you know, expanded upon that when I talked to other people, but that it, it was a, they spoke a different language. So they literally spoke the language of autism and that clicked in my own mind. Cause it's like, okay. So the way that I explained it to people is that, you know, my son will always speak the language of autism naturally. He's learned how to speak a lot of our English words and a lot of the, you know, the, you know, I guess atypical, um, way that we communicate on things, but he didn't understand a lot of that early on. He didn't understand, you know, when we wanted something, like didn't understand our facial, you know, cues that a lot of kids uh, pick up easily. It was it was extremely hard for him. And so, you know, I, I think if people kind of look at it kind of like that, that made it easier for me. And you may have a better way of explaining it, but for me, <laughs> that made so much sense because it's, it's just like any other language barrier to me. Right. I, I totally agree with that. I heard a great analogy um, just yesterday, actually, and it was the difference between an Apple operating system and a Windows operating system. Mm. And when the two were very far apart, we had to learn one or the other. And we had to try, you know, if you were working with somebody who was doing a Mac, then you had to learn their language. Now, you know, as our children have grown up, they're learning how to speak both of those and we're learning how to speak both of those. That's, that's great. I actually might use that as well. That's, that's amazing. Cause it's just, I think it's trying to explain to people that this hasn't been part of their life in a way that kind of clicks with them. And I love that. And, you know, I know another thing that I've noticed is that a lot of times people will think that, you know, once they've, you know, hit this milestone or that milestone, because, you know, kids on get well, people on the spectrum still hit milestones. They just hit them at different timelines. Right. And, you know, they think once they've kind of mastered that, that that's it, they're not going to revert at all. And that's one of the things that I had to kind of learn the hard way. It's like, okay, yes, we've got to this point that we we're able to do this now. Yay, we're able to do this. But if he's severely stressed out or anything's going on, he reverts back. Mm -hmm. He wants to not speak. He wants to run and point with his elbow. He wants to do all these things that he did before that, I, you know, I am like, we already, done, we're past this, you know, I've got to learn <laughs> on my own that they tend to refer just again, like a language barrier. And I think that's why you know, I, I seen something one time and I don't even remember what it was. I think it was a news it was something that um, before I stopped watching the news, because it's like, okay, that's a whole other story for another day. But yeah, um, <laughs> the, the, there was a lady that she spoke fluid um, English, but she had been raised speaking Spanish and she was so traumatized that she was just speaking Spanish and they couldn't communicate with her, even though she spoke fluid English, because during those moments, moments of trauma, we tend to revert back to what's natural to us, which made sense again with kids with autism. Their natural mm -hmm. language is always going to be autism, whether they're 10 or, you know, 40, their natural language is always going to be autism. So depending on the level of trauma, it would make sense that they would revert during those times. Right. Has that been your experience? It has. And um, I noticed that I, I think the way that I learned that mostly was when meltdowns would happen, you know, and they go into um, what everybody else thinks is a tantrum, but it's really an overdone moment where they are so stressed and you have to figure out, well, what was that trigger and how do we get there? Because we have to get through this moment because they just can't blame cope. It's not a tantrum. It's just a lack of being able to cope. And 
I don't know how many times I'd get calls from the teachers like he's having a meltdown. I'm like, well, okay, what's gone on in the day before this? What leads up to this? Like what it could be the stressor? What's the kick, the the kickoff to make this have happened? And that's just what we have to learn. So you said your son is 26 now. Mm-hmm. We're just now getting into like the older years. And like I said, he's number five. So I've, I've got, I have like, I have a, my oldest is 22. So um, I've been in the teens and I've been in the early twenties, but not with autism. <laughs> so I, and this is one of those things that's like, that, and I think that's kind of been obviously the world of Kate is um, learning that it's like, okay, well, I think I have this down, but really let's see over here what kind of surprises we have. So he'll be mm-hmm. 13 in May. And I'm sitting there thinking, you know, teenage years were not really a blast with my atypical kids. I'm not going to lie. So I'm kind of wondering what that is going to look like with hormones <laughs> and everything on top of autism. So <laughs> I, I, I totally get where you're coming from on that one. I, um, I, that was an interesting thing to navigate, but um, I actually kind of, as bad as it seems, as I am thankful that I had boys because it wasn't near as emotional as I think it was that I was as a teenager. And, you know, some of those things were easy to navigate. Some of those things were not even part of even worrying about, but I, I am in the same boat um, or same situation when I, that I do now that I did then is that, you know, the world is very black and white and we deal with the situation right now as it is not the what ifs. So do you have any other children or I do, I have one other boy, he's 22. Okay. Cause it's sounded like, as you said, boys, I'm like, Oh, she's got more children. I, so, <laughs> yeah. so that, that makes me want to ask you a question. Um, I know with my children, obviously, um, it's affected their lives in different ways. Like with my older children, we, there was a period of time where we just didn't go anywhere. We went no places because everything mm-hmm. was overstimulating, which I've noticed with with um, the two oldest ones, it's not been as big of a deal with them, but um, I have two other ones that are closer to Kate's age. And, you know, there's still a little tension between them. It's like they, they're, they're accepting, they're understanding on some level, but there's still this almost like, I guess, jealousy or um, resentment a little bit. And it's just kind of like underlying. Was there any type of, they're probably going to kill me if they watch this, but they, (laughs) but but it's just, this is life. And I, you know, and I understand it. It's like all of a sudden, you know, their life was one way. And then all of a sudden it was flipped a different way because of this one person. And it took them a while to even kind of understand why that was. Because obviously me and my husband as adults, we were trying to understand it too. So (laughs) they definitely didn't get it. So, you know, was there any, like, I guess, type of resentment between your two children? Because I wonder if that's, because I've talked to a couple other autism moms, you know, because, you know, we've become a big club, you know how that goes. And Mm -hmm. it seems like that's been the thing too. Like they're kind of navigating where I was then uh, trying to explain to their other children that, you know, no, it's not all about so-and-so. This is just something we have to do as a family type of thing because they don't really understand that. Right, right. I was fortunate that I was turned on to the books, um, How to Talk So Your Kids Will Listen and Listen So Your Kids Will Talk. Their second book is called Siblings Without Rivalry. And it talks very specifically about making sure that each child is heard. You know, just because 
you know, just because one son gets it doesn't mean the second one gets it or vice versa. Um, so I was very careful once, um, once that started to kind of appear where he wanted to know. I, I guess I was fortunate that he was the second, so he didn't know any different. But I do know that I specifically remember him being very stressed about what was going to happen to his brother and to him. And as soon as I could assure him that we'd put, you know, financial resources in a plan, we'd made a plan so that his brother isn't going to always be his responsibility. And then they could finally have that relationship that came out of being brothers rather than out of responsibility. So I, that was one of the things I did. And I, I don't even know where I even thought of that, but as soon as I said it, it was a world of difference. That's, that's awesome. And yeah, I didn't do the math that he would be the younger one. The, the, my younger kids, cause there is two younger than him. It's been, it's been different because that's all they've ever known. Yeah. That it's the ones a couple of years, you know, above him. That was kind of like me, mm-hmm. but it's, it's funny. My, um, Cade and my and Cole, I'll just go and say their names. I said their names on here all the time. Um, they are uh, three and a half, almost four years apart. And Cole has always been more like the older brother, you know, mm-hmm. even though he's the younger brother by many, many years, because that's all he's ever known, you know, and even to the point of sometimes being the one that steps in to explain to Cade, you know, what's going on. And that's been kind of, kind of a, a cool thing to see. Um, now they still fight. They still they, they are to the point now they fight like cats and dogs too, which is also kind of good to see. Cause I, you know, as you know, when you have special needs kids, any of these, you know, quote unquote normal things, they go and you're like, Oh, okay. We never thought we'd be here. Right? <laughs> right. We never thought we'd understand arguing even, you know? So even though you're like, stop, you're like inside, like, Oh yeah. Okay. We've at least hit that. We understand, you know, that, you know, if he's getting on my nerves, I understand that. You know, type mm-hmm. of thing. So, I mean, and I like that you mentioned financial resources, because that's another thing. Like, of course, all parents think about what, you know, the what ifs and all that kind of stuff. But it's it's more what ifs when you have a special needs kid, because, um, you know, you have to think about who is going to take care of them. It's not there, there's no point in time where you can, depending on the kid and, you know, the severity of, of course, but there's no point in time with a lot of these children that you could be like, okay, well, they're, they're on their own, right? And a lot of people don't think about that. And I love that you mentioned that. Was there a specific, you mentioned a couple of books here that I actually am going to look up and read, and I'll make sure that anybody that's watching or listening, I'll put some links in there to that. Um, and I know, I want to talk about your book too, which we'll get to that in a minute, but um, is there any books that you recommend as far as, um, financial guidance for special needs or is it something you just came Uh, up with it actually it was we sat down to make a will and she said you need to have a special needs trust okay and um i had to explore what i had had people say a special needs trust so i i don't know anything more than um oh that's fine you know that i needed to have this and um, so talk to your financial advisors while we're saying uh, Yeah, that. I would. And <laughs> yeah. talk to them about the trust, because my understanding is that, um, you know, it's written into your will, and then the trust is created upon your death. Not, it's not, it's not a physical thing until then. That's what okay. I understand about it. Okay. Other well, than that, 
No, and I think it's good to even yeah. know that that exists, that, that even to go into your financial advisor and say, hey, you know, I was listening to somebody, they talked about some type of specialties trust, can you explain more about that? I think that's good information, because it has me questioning, I know we, we've done some stuff, I can't, I don't know that world either, so I'm even going to ask my financial advisor about that. Yeah, yes, advice. yes. So, oh, okay, let's pivot a little bit to your book. So you are an author, mm-hmm. so can you tell us a little bit about your book? So the first one that I've participated in was kind of an anthology. So it was a lot of different um, women um, who are talking about what it means to live and um, get through chaos. So how to be resilient. And as you and I know that chaos, that first part of learning what it's all about to, um, to being able to say, okay, I got this, I can do this. Um, there's a whole lot of things and emotions that go on with that. And so we're all just kind of talking about what was our story and what did we do to get through that? You know, what's that memory you're trying to, um, that I, I guess other than saying it's a gift, you're trying to give somebody a gift of, you know, hope and that you can be resilient and you can get through this and get on the other side of it. So that's, that that was you know it's a phenomenal book just to read all of the different stories and what's the title of that book that one is called um thriving beyond crisis um, conversations with resilient entrepreneurs and i think that's great i think those are important things to talk about because we, we even kind of a little bit talked about this before we went live but and we were talking about it just in the world of autism that we hear the, the bright, shiny, glittery sides of <laughs> autism and special needs kids and how wonderful they are. And they are. But there's also the sides where it's so hard and you're not sure if you can do this and you're frustrated and you're sad and all the emotions. And I think it's the same thing with any type of, um, well, I mean, you said crisis, I guess crisis or traumatic experience or just changes or anything like that you know we get these emotions obviously attached to that and I think it's important for us to talk about good emotions because that does give us hope but Mm -hmm. being able to take people through the entire story of how you felt when you didn't feel okay and Mm -hmm. that now you feel okay like you mentioned it gives people hope and you know gives people the the will to kind of move past that moment because we all have them Mm -hmm. and you know, a lot of times, I think a lot of us that, you know, maybe haven't been through tons and tons of traumatic experience, the first time that we go through anything that's traumatic, we're like, oh, this is it, you know, I'm done for. <laughs> so we need somebody to say, no, you've got this. This is hard now, but it's going to get better and better and better. And I, I love that you did that. And you, you said books. So what's the, the title of your other book? How many books have you written at this point? So I have four that are available. So the Thriving Through Crisis is my most recent. The one just prior to that um, is Understanding Sensory Overload. So what we've determined is that there is this hierarchy of needs for every person. Every person needs to know that they're safe and they have shelter and they have food before they, you know, when you're scrambling for those things you can't think about anything else well the same is true for these kids except that theirs is more based around their sensory you have to be able to get those things out of the way before you can get them to the next level so you can't expect a higher functioning or executive functioning out of anybody specifically an autistic without developing and fulfilling those basic needs So I created this, we talk about what's the hierarchy, what are those different levels that you need to 
help them achieve in order to have that higher executive functioning. That's awesome. I would love to check that book out as well, because I think that's important for just understanding it to the level, be able to explain it to somebody else. And mm-hmm. I feel like that's, you, you mentioned that you're an, an autism advocate. I think all, you know, all of us parents obviously are advocates for our own kids. So I feel like most of my life is just trying to explain why Kate does whatever. You know? <laughs> exactly. So being able to have those, you know, you said you created that, you know, is, is there like a PDF that goes with it or is it just a graphic or? Um, no, it's a PDF. It's a PDF book. So it's an ebook okay. awesome. that um, has some graphics and then just explanations of each of those levels. But I, I think can... that's a great tool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's awesome. So, I mean, if anybody right now is listening or watching that, you know, is involved with autism, maybe you're a teacher or maybe you have an autistic member of your family. I think a tool like this is, you know, a great way. To, it gives a visual, right? right? It gives a visual way to be able to explain to people because it's it's hard to navigate that world, you know, as a parent and you're in it every single day. And I've even thought about this, about how much, you know, my son has taught me just about the entire specialties world. I always felt like I was a pretty accepting person. I did, you know, and I had, um, I had a little bit of experience with special needs. It was Down syndrome. Um, but, you know, one of the things that I learned really quick is, you know, it was a little bit different for my son because my son doesn't have, you know, quote unquote, a look right with with my with my family member with Down syndrome. Somebody he could be having a hard time, and somebody could look at him physically and say, "Oh, he's having a hard time because he has Down syndrome." You know, they have mm-hmm. a little bit more, you know, sympathy and empathy. My son looked like every other child except for he wasn't, and so mm-hmm. I would get rude comments and you know from well-meaning people about how I should quote unquote discipline more and all the things that people say when they're trying to help, but really are just mm-hmm. making you feel terrible. Um, and, you know, there was for a long time, I, you know, was having a hard time even navigating that world myself. So being able to explain it to somebody else was hard. So, I mean, tools like this, I think are so important, you know, to be able to have access to when you're trying to figure out navigate. So I I love that. I'll make sure that the link for that book is also, um, in the show notes. And what was the other books that you have? Uh, The other ones. I'm like making a list. (laughs) The other ones are very simple. It's just um, understanding the basics, the gifts of autism, and um, understanding just what that means to to be autistic. Um, I can't even I can't even remember the fourth title. The, the only one I other one I can remember is called the gifts of autism. Oh, and I'm totally blanking. On the other okay. Well, we'll get them from you. We'll make sure that they're in the show notes. So, I mean, I, I, anyway, I, I think that's great. And it is a gift. I mean, we, again, you know, there's both sides. There's a yin and yang of everything. But all in all, you know, the way that my son sees the world is amazing. It's just being able to calm us all down long enough to actually take a breath and, and realize that because there's some of the time that it's hard to do that when you're in the middle of all of it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the way that they see the world is is a gift. There are gifts to it. And and I think that's part of any parenting experience anyway, or just life in general. Right. It's it's there's good parts. There's highs and lows of everything. And I love that you called it a gift. It's great. Thank you. Well, I I really do think it in most respects, it's a gift. I see my son, you know, they people tend to tag autistics as uncaring. And specifically my son, I think he's almost more caring. It it just is the sometimes they're a little bit more awkward and like a 
comedian said she just didn't tell her face that she's concerned. So they don't always know how to express it, but they're very loving. He's very loving. I get a hug and a kiss every day and he tells me he loves me and he asks me how my day was and how did I sleep? I mean, they're the same questions, but he's very vested. And these kids are, if you give them a chance, they may have to tell you about everything that is their current obsession too, but oh, yeah. <laughs> you, know, you do still get some, you do get some really good stuff there. Oh yeah. I know way more about Minecraft than I ever cared to learn mm-hmm. <laughs> where he showed me every single block of everything. And I'm like, mm-hmm. 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 You know, yeah. I was like, oh. yeah. well, yeah, mine, really mine's decided that it's in uh, his, one of his, one of his is Star Wars. And we oh, were yeah. talking about, uh, Mandalorian and the timeline of it and I was asking questions he said you know this is like trying to teach trig to a toddler yeah <laughs> isn't that funny like, okay I, I'm not gonna get it we're just gonna have to end it there <laughs> it's, it's funny because I know I, I don't know what your experience was when your son was diagnosed but my son was not diagnosed until he was four and a half um, but and one of the reasons why they wasn't going with autism at first is because he would hug me. Mm-hmm. And that baffled me. I mean, again, I was an advocate even then saying, okay, well, I don't understand why him hugging. Well, these are kind of the parameters. With autism, they're not, like you just mentioned, affectionate, which I know now is completely ridiculous. But um, he would hug me. Yeah, he would hug me. And so he didn't meet the criteria because of that for the longest time. Um, and, you know, my son is very loving. Now, like you said, there are sometimes you can tell if he's had a rough day, he sucks inside of himself a little more, right. um, depending on how the day goes. And I usually can tell, actually, by the way he's acting, you know, something's going on. And then we get to play detective to figure out what it is, because, you know, they don't just come out and say what it is, you know, that whole game. But, you know, it, it's funny being brought into that world. And another thing, I remember a doctor, finally he had got diagnosed, and we were seeing this one doctor, and I don't know. I crack jokes. I'm kind of sarcastic. Our family's love language is sarcasm. And I remember this doctor kind of was rude with me. And he said, you know, you know, you need to be a little more, I don't remember the word he used, but pretty much don't be sarcastic because this child's never going to understand sarcasm. And I was like, well, he's completely rude because even when I'm not thinking about it, we're just sarcastic. And, you know, it's just my entire family. This is how I was raised. It's like, that is my language. And it's funny now, I, like I said this other to my husband, my husband, my husband and I was sitting there and my son said something super sarcastic. I'm like, I just want to record him and just send this to that doctor. I was like, because he didn't know what he was talking about. He gets sarcasm. Now, when he was little, he didn't, I'd have to, I'd say something and he'd, you know, wide eye me. And I, I'd be like, it's all right. This is sarcasm. I just explained to him what sarcasm was. And when I defined it, he understood it. And I think they don't give these kids enough credit. You know, they might not automatically know what it is, but you know, they can learn. Oh, yeah. Mine can talk smack with the best of them. Yeah. <laughs> now, I mean, you've learned. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. It's, it's, it is. So let's talk about, so when you say you're an autism advocate and that you work with other families, can you explain what that looks like? Because I do get a lot of listeners um, that are, you know, involved in the autism world and, you know, they may be interested in kind of what that means. So what uh, my my goal really is to help parents um kind of be that um, accountability factor for developing what are those communication tools that your child's teacher is going to need. And 
I think a lot of people right now with COVID, you know, you're in and out of the school and there's a lot of stuff going on. So we need yeah. to get this dialed in now while you've had a ton of experience with them at home to know how did it work here and how will that work in the classroom? And what we do is we just, it's really a lot about brainstorming. What do you know? Here's, here's the framework of what the communication skills are because we know there's there are certain criteria for communication so let's talk about each of those components and then what do you know about your son or daughter in those components and then let's get that into a document that we can then turn around and be able to advocate for what they need in the classroom and awesome. i've created a course that is um both short you know easy bite-sized videos as well as a weekly, you know, live Q&A where we can get together and we can brainstorm together in a live format. Say, well, have you thought about this? Or can you say this? Um, I've facilitated um, the How to Talk So Kids Will Listen um, parenting classes. So we talk a lot about communication. How do we communicate that effectively so that they understand, your child understands, as well as how the teacher or another person can understand that. That's kind of where my specialty really lies. Is let's talk about what are those words we use. That's awesome. I wish I had met you like so many years ago. You would have been so much easier. Like, you, you don't feel like you have anywhere to turn. And, you know, I, I, again, I always like to paint both sides of, you know, the picture. It's, you know, my son's wonderful and amazing and, and all the things. But, you know, especially at the very beginning of the diagnosis, your well, in my case, I was not sleeping because my son needed like zero sleep. Um, and, you know, I was exhausted and I was scared and, you know, confused and trying to learn all the things. And, you know, you lose friends, you, you know, family kind of isolates. And it's not because they don't love you. It's because they don't know what to do and how to react. So it's like, not only are you going through all this stuff and most of the time you have other responsibilities as well, but you, you lose your support system. <laughs> so even having somebody else that has been there and understands, even just to listen, to actually listen, it sounds like that would be such a huge thing. And to be able to help you think clearly when, you know, you can't think clearly, you're in reaction mode during mm -hmm. that time. And I mean, I look back and I, and I was, it's like, it's funny my husband and I have these conversations that th there's a lot of things we can't even remember. Like, we can't even, like, it's like <laughs> I have no idea what went on. What, somebody yeah. like, somebody like, I'm, like, I don't even know. It's like that section of my brain. <laughs> well, it's, it's this whole other person that we have to, we, you know, it's this extension of ourselves and, uh, it's it's just it's sometimes hard to keep track of those moments. Um, and I, I just I want to help parents get past that feeling of, you know, utter exhaustion and I don't know where to turn. I still remember my son wasn't diagnosed until he was six. And I I was fortunate yet unfortunate is that um, he also has cerebral palsy. And he's very ambulatory. You would, you know, he has a little bit of a limp, but nobody would even look at any other diagnosis thinking that it was part of the cerebral palsy and he'll grow out of it. And he was a preemie, so he'll grow out of it. And so people just kept putting us off and putting us off. And 
you know, all the time I have, you know, people are like, you, you need to make him mind, you know, you're not doing it right. And, you know, and I'm feeling like a complete failure for six years. And I don't want anybody else to go through that. No, it's, 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 I mean, kind of maybe took back tears a little bit because like I said, people well-meaning, you know, they try to, some of them are not well-meaning. I'll take that back. But (laughs) some of them are well-meaning, try to give you advice on how to help. And, you know, there was some low times and I, I know I've told this story before on the podcast, but I'm going to tell it again. So people that have heard it, sorry, but here I go. Um, Like I can remember one of the lowest, lowest points that I had was I had Cade and um, I had just given birth to Cole. Cole was a surprise baby. He was, it was not a planned thing. When I found out I was pregnant, I was, it was not a happy occasion at first. I love him. I'm glad he's here now, but I was, my life was full and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. You know, type of thing. So when he came along, I was, I mean, I was nursing. I was so sick with him and I was at my lowest. Cade was, he was so hard during that time, you know, and it was right before he was diagnosed. And I remember I had to take him to an appointment for, again, trying to figure out all the whys and the what's of what was going on with him. And we had about an hour drive at a stop at the store on the way home. Of course, Kate's already had enough. We had been to the doctor, the baby screaming, I'm nursing. So the entire front of my shirt is soaking wet. I look homeless anyway, because I'm exhausted. And I'm just standing there in line to try to get a couple of things. Kate's throwing himself on the floor and I'm trying to hold him with a baby screaming. I was overwhelmed, right? Mm-hmm. Like this close to breaking. Yeah. And somebody walked up to me and they said, this is exactly what is wrong with the world today is people do not discipline their kid. You need to bust his ass. He's old enough to know better. And I just lost it. I Mm -hmm. started falling. I left everything there, took the kids out to the van and I had to fight Kate in his car seat. It always looked like child abuse when I was putting him in his car seat. Right. Yeah. (laughs) They don't want to go. Stick the baby in the car, still screaming. I just broke down because, you know, and I think that's one of those things like, and, you know, you see these things all the time. I think I shared one today that you never know what people are going through. Like you have no idea what people's lives are. Mm-hmm. And that thing that you are saying that's completely rude might be that thing that just pushes them over the edge, you know? And it's, you know, I, I would have loved to have somebody to call to be like, Tammy, I am like having a bad <laughs> <laughs> Because I didn't have anybody called that understood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I felt that exact same way because 20, you know, 26 years ago, autism was not as prevalent as it was. Trey was only the second child in our district to ever go through with autism. And so we, we felt like we were, you know, we were pushing the waves, you know, it was like pushing sand because we'd make a little bit of headroom and it would feel like everything keeps coming back. Um, You just, you gotta, you gotta have a support system. And that's one of the big things that I wanna be able to provide. That's awesome. And I think that's, that's the beauty of entrepreneurship is entrepreneurs in general have a knack for seeing a problem and offering that solution. And and I love it when it's something that's not only helping somebody's business or whatever the things, which is great too, but you know, somebody like you can actually help change somebody's life. You could, I mean, not to sound dramatic here, but you could save somebody's marriage. You can, you know, because it is so hard, you know, and when you have, I mean, me and my husband, we were at each other's throat time because we're exhausted and neither of us knew what to do. And I mean, it's hard on marriages. It's hard on, you know, the relationships with other kids. It's just, it's hard when you're navigating those waters uh-huh. and having that support system can make all the difference in the world because, yeah. you know, it's, it's something I think that's not talked about enough. Nobody ever said to me, like they told me, you know, I need to go to cognitive therapy. I need to go to occupational therapy. 
you need to, you know, this, that, all the other. Boxes. Yeah. Yeah. But nobody ever said, Hey mom, you really need an advocate. You need some a support system. You need somebody on your side to be able to kind of walk you through this stuff. And that I think would have been a big game changer early on in my life. I, I, I hope that I can help more people with that. And I, I, I don't know how else to get the word out, but I want to be able to help. And I just don't want anybody to have to be in, to the point that they can't know what to do next. And I, I'm not I'm not a therapist. I don't have any professional training in that. I'm not a marriage counselor by any means. I, I think I got lucky in the spouse, spouse department is when I was totally done, he could take over. And then when he yeah. was totally done, I could take over. It was a tag team. And he, he did, he was a very big part of helping us develop our tips and tools and what we gave to the teachers. And he's very good at that cause and effect. Try this, try that, try this, yeah. you know, this worked, this didn't. Um, he was, he was absolutely great with that. I think that's amazing. And yeah, you know, I think there, there's nothing wrong with obviously therapists and marriage counselors and all those things. They have their time and place, but the fact that you've kind of been there, done that, in that world, I think kind of gives you that vision to be able to help them navigate through, especially those early diagnosed years, because that's, for me, that was the hardest. It's like, I don't even know what to do. Like pre-diagnosis and right after diagnosis, it was kind of like, I don't even know, you know, what to do. So, I mean, I think that would be a definite time where somebody that's kind of going through that would benefit from having, you know, an advocate on their side. I love the term advocate anyway. It's kind of like, I need a cheerleader. I need somebody to vent to. I need somebody. <laughs> you can actually, do it. Yeah, exactly. And even sometimes somebody to say, it's not that bad. You will be okay. You know, to call me out if I'm being dramatic to be like, no, it's not that bad. You're going to be fine. <laughs> you know, somebody to kind of, you know, to be there, you know, so I think that's amazing. A lot of people need that stuff. I think you just, sometimes you just need somebody who's been there, done that and can understand. Like it's, yeah. and I'm all for, let's have a pity party for a short while. I need, I need a pity party for a little while. Yeah. And then I can, then I can pick myself up and figure out, okay, what's the next step? Absolutely. So I don't think anybody should discount those feelings. No. You need to have those feelings and specifically in this, with this diagnosis. I mean, there's certainly terminal diagnoses are totally different, but it's this to uh, most of us moms and uh, my husband, I was surprised at the level and depth of disappointment he felt in getting the diagnosis. So we need to take those feelings and understand they're real and don't discount them. Yeah. Understand it, live, you know, live with that feeling because until you do, you're, you can't move on to the next level. And so let's, let's let those feelings out and then we'll figure out what to do next. I love that. I think that's perfect because yeah, I agree with you 100%. You definitely need to feel your feelings. What what your feelings are valid. But I think a lot of times and I've been that person um, before too, where I kind of get caught up and like, well, there's no point in anything anymore. I give up. <laughs> I quit. You know, the drama side comes out. And at that point, I need somebody to be like, oh, no, you're all right. Like, I get it. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. Just don't tell me, you know, 
calm down because that's the worst. Oh, no. don't, don't tell me to calm down because my husband's come back tried back. that a few times. That's <laughs> only a few because he's learned pretty quick on that one. That's not a yeah. good thing to say to Maria. So yeah, it's it's funny. No, I mean I think that this is great. And where's the best best place for somebody to reach out to you? And I know I'm gonna get all the links. So anybody that's gonna be listening to this, if you're listening right now on any of the podcast platforms, we will have a link to all of Tammy's stuff in the show notes. But for anybody that's watching right now and they want to try to find out more about what you're doing, what's Where's the best place for them to do that? It'd probably be my website and it's um, saving our tomorrows. And I chose that because I want to make tomorrow better than today. So that's how I remember saving our tomorrows. Um, tomorrows. And there's different links. It gets you to what my course is. It gets you to the books. Um, There's some different resources, um, civil and, you know, some civil links. I don't by any means have an exhaustive list and can say I have every state and county's autism, but I have some general ones that you can take a look at. Some of its disability rights, a lot about the the IEP and, you know, what it means to have a formal education and what they're required to do and some of those different links. That's awesome. I love that. All right. Well, I'll make sure that that information is in the show notes. And I thank you so much for being on today. It's It's been a blast. I feel like I could just talk to you forever. <laughs> I, I, this has been really, really nice to talk to another autism parent too, who's who's been there, done that. So I'm very happy to have had the time with you as well. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And for everybody that's watching right now, we will be live again next Thursday at 2 p.m. No, we will not. I lied. So this Thursday is Thanksgiving. So we will not be live. (laughs) We will not be live next Thursday. I don't know when we go live again. Just check the calendar. So I'm glad I caught myself that people will be on there next Thursday. Wait. No, they wouldn't. They'd be turkey. I'll be they'd be, Yeah, they'd be we busy eating all too many appetizers and <laughs> yeah. not being ready for dinner. No, exactly. I, I do it while cooking. I'm cooking and eating, and by dinner, I'm not eating. And my kids yeah. are like, oh, you're not eating. I'm like, because I've been cooking for like eight hours at this point, eating the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thanks so much, Tammy. And you have a very happy Thanksgiving and a holiday season. And we'll be in touch soon. I'd like to find out a little bit more about your books and get those. I love reading anyway. So we'll be in touch. Thanks so much. Sounds great. Thanks, Maria. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye.